sink, 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 sink. Well, you didn't even say it. How are you singing? I said it a bunch. I said it all the time. Oh, did you? Maybe I could never listen. You never listen to me. I don't. It's okay. That's you don't have interesting things to say except for sink. I know that's it, and even that apparently isn't good. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Big One Podcast. It's been a little while since we have done one of these, um, but we were going to have some some episodes before this, so that's not going to make a lot of sense to you. I'm Hell B-Boy, yeah. the one who makes all of the sense. And with me, as uh, always, is... Me, uh, new guy. I make none of the sense. <laughs> none of the sense at all. And uh, with us, not as always, um, we have Baby G. Baby G, who are you? I am Baby G, and I am the guy you will sometimes hear at the end of uh, end of the episodes with a bonus clip. So, good, glad to be on the podcast. Yeah, wow. Baby G joined us for Daytona this year and uh, had a had a good time. We're talking about Daytona for next year, maybe something else, maybe a Coke Six Hundred next year. Who knows? I think that what's uh, most amazing about this episode is that everything that B- Baby G is saying, much like the post episode clips, is pre recorded here. So, like. Everyone keep in mind as you're listening to this, Baby G just really predicts what the rest of this episode is about. So keep an ear out for that. It's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be good. Um, yeah, I'm going to interchange some of your audio with some of those <laughs> drum clips. All right. Uh, great. So um, the word of the podcast, Big One. You can follow us at Podcast Big One on Twitter. We're a motorsports podcast. It's worth saying that because we've not recorded in a little while. But we do always have a sponsor, and I think our, our new... Well, I can't say the new guy here, but our baby G has a sponsor for us this week. Yeah, sponsor this week is Red and Dev's Bar and Grill at 60 East Mineral Street in Platteville, Wisconsin, also known as the home of the $4 pitcher of beer. Wow. So we've got a, a current special from them for the podcast listeners. $4 pitchers of hams all day, every day. Wow. So thank you, Red and Dev's Bar and Grill. Oh, I can't wait to go. It's going to be great. I hope that we record our next episode from there. That would hey, I'm gonna be what a in Chicago in July. So One pitcher uh, each. Let's, let's think about it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, this the is Plano, Wisconsin, though. So, so, so they've got some internet issues. So, <laughs> a little bit of satellite internet going on. So, podcast quality may not be the greatest from Red Adams, but it'll be good quality entertainment. I think that's the ideal that podcast. Google Fi. I think the ideal podcast uh, is one where there's great lag in between each of the hosts, and they talk <laughs> over each other a bunch. So yeah, I can't well, wait. I have been traveling most of the year so far, so there has been some of that. So, all right, well, um, we are a motorsports podcast. Let's talk about some motorsports. Um, first okay. and foremost, it was a huge weekend of racing. We had five races. Yeah. Um, three of the NASCAR, well, four if you want to count ARCA, but the three of the NASCAR National Series and two uh, big races in Monaco and uh, uh, for F1 and Indy at the Indy 500. We'll get to Indy and F1, I think, at the end of our NASCAR talk here, but let's uh, start with the Coke 600. What did we see? How was it, folks? It was um, long, and I it might was. be going on a limb here to say that, but <laughs> I believe uh, you were saying that it is uh, the longest race that has ever happened in Cup history. 
Yes, it is. And it both by length, uh, so miles were driven, I think it was like 619 and a half, and oh, by wow. uh, time. Um, like, I think it started right around 6 o'clock and ended at 11.50 on the East Coast. So Oh, yeah, uh, duh. Was I was like wondering how they got Celtics beyond 600, but the... Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was. Uh, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, my mic quality is worse uh, uh, than it normally is because I'm, I'm. I'm traveling. I'm in Key West right now, and I was sitting around watching the Coke 600 uh, here in the place that we're staying. And my my stepdad was in the room, and we watched literally two episodes of Band of Brothers and threw out <laughs> it like like beginning halfway through the race and throughout it I kept on laughing and saying to him that the race was still going on because it was yeah. ridiculous how long it went on it was amazing Bes- besides long yeah. it also was amazing it also had yeah. the most yeah. lead changes for a Coke 600 I believe mm-hmm. um, and, and honestly like all four stages were very competitive mm-hmm. Just not yeah it was some quality racing through and okay. through no, I mean, it was, it was good racing. Sorry, I was taking a sip from okay. my beer. Oh, okay. okay. It was, a, it was um, a, a sip in agreement. It doesn't work great over a podcast, but you know what can you do? <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. Uh, yeah, uh, Baby G, what would you feel about the race? Yeah, so I was catching a little bit of the race here and there. I, w- I was out of town at a Memorial Day birthday party weekend, and, mm. you know, I put the start, start of the race on, on my phone while we're, while we're just hanging out in the back, back patio, sun's still up, you know, we're kind of still in grill-out mode, and... Every once in a while, I was just checking, you know, where we're at, what the stages are, and I was popping back on my phone on, you know, the mobile app to to watch the stage finishes, mm-hmm. and it was like four hours later, and one of the person says, "Are you still watching that race?" I go, "Yeah, it's, <laughs> we're just finishing up the third stage here. We got, you know, probably a good hour, hour and a half mm-hmm. to go here easy, and then, you know, by the time it's the end of the race, the sun's down, we're we're making s'mores by the fire, and I'm still watching the race on my phone. So it was fun <laughs> to be able to just pop in, catch a couple laps here and there, and. Yeah, you know, drink truly. some beers and watch the race and, I'm, you know, I'm, give the people around the fire the absolutely unnecessary updates on, on who's leading and what's going on. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was it was kind of fun. I mean, it, it's cool that no matter where you are, you can just pop on your phone and catch some laps here and there and truly. stay up to speed with what's so, going on. I'm, so what I'm, I'm glad we had similar experiences. Your, you're popular is what I'm hearing. And, and you and I are going to you're going to stick around afterwards and tell us how to become popular as well. That would be uh, so helpful. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things that we were checking in on for these races was our, our back markers picks, which is becoming more and more laughable by the day. Wow. Uh, since, what a great uh, job we've done. What we an really incredible job we've done. Uh, earlier in the season, we tried to pick two teams that, um, well, one is a kind of a newer team, but didn't do so well last year. And then another team that just was a new team last year and didn't do so well. They were the track house cars. So new guy picked Suarez. I picked Chastain. Obviously, uh, we've not been recording, but uh, both of the teams are doing incredibly well. Chastain with two wins, uh, and and both of them won stages this week, which I thought was awesome. It was yeah, a, yeah, it was a callback for us to call back. You know, truly, yeah, man. I think Suarez is going to win a race this year. Uh, he's I, he I keeps getting it. so yeah. damn close, uh, and he's aggressive enough. I'm starting to realize yeah. that, like. The difference between the guys like Kevin Harvick, who have finished well this year and done really well, and or even like a Chase Elliott, who does have one win, uh, but not multiple, and uh, kind of the rest of the guys that are out there and really competing for wins every week, is just an aggression level that you mm-hmm. just don't see mm-hmm. from about half the competitors out there. So uh, Suarez yeah. has it, and he's going to get one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Man, I was so excited as well, which, uh, you know, the, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Monaco race in more depth la- uh, later. 
But there was just that brief period where I was so fucking psyched that maybe a Mexican would win the Monaco Grand Prix and the Coke 600 on the same weekend. Uh, uh, It would have been incredible. Uh, I've got a a buddy who lives out in uh, Mexico City who would have been over the moon on it. Uh, maybe it would have been a Mexican Swede sandwich because we had a Swede win uh, wow. the Indy 500, which would have been what a treat! What really a treat! Awesome. Yeah, I would have gotten. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I have to think of something better there. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So some some other notable things from the race. There was there was like two different big ones really, um, where mm-hmm. you know they. I mean they get so jammed up on the restarts because it's all about momentum and pushing each other that when things break loose, like everyone's in it. And then there was uh, obviously like an intense battle for the win. Larson, who had had really just like the shittiest day up until that point, I think he called it his worst race ever. Um, he had dropped to the back, I think three, maybe four times, uh, and had just had a multitude of errors. Was leading Chase Briscoe in the similar fashion to him catching Tyler Reddick at the Bristol Dirt Race. Um, got all the way to him and then wrecked himself trying to go for the win. Um, didn't wreck Larson, but caused a green white checkered which then caused more mayhem in which Larson and several others were involved, uh, which then led to Denny Hamlin, who had, you know, on a four-wide, kind of right before the accident happened, was shooting to the bottom, made the move, got there, um, ends up getting to win in a second overtime finish. So uh, that's that's about as good as a finish can come. And if the racing action was good the whole way through, I mean, that's a that's an A-plus race in my book. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed to be a pretty solid race. I think Denny win- winning is a detractor from the quality. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But I, I might uh, be a little biased I, on that one. I might be a little biased. Yeah, yeah. You know, I should I should go back and like look at some of the texts that I was sending y'all while this was happening because it was just so funny. Um, but like I, I definitely was thinking while while everything was happening, I was like, oh my gosh, if Briscoe goes up there and wrecks Larson like he did to Reddick, that's like two of my guys he's taken out trying to win a race. I was going to be super pissed off. He just takes himself out. But then literally second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth were like the most aggressive drivers in the sport. It was like Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Ricky Stenhouse, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Austin Dillon. Well, Austin Dillon's the one that sent them four wide and, and kind of caused that, that last wreck. Wow, too, so big we, surprise. Yeah, I was just sitting there like, are you freaking <laughs> kidding me? Like, this is just... Uh, right, what is this? Right. Like, I know some this... racing bullshit? Come on. Yeah, it really was. It was like uh. Rookie League uh, up at the front there. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was... I mean, that was one of the better Coke 600s I've seen. And Charlotte's been delivering yeah. great racing, yeah. both on the, on the Roval and on the Oval uh, for a number of years now. And these new cars at these mile and a half continue to deliver, so... Yeah, yeah. Except I know, I... It was honestly like, yeah, I'm glad you said Texas, and uh, we will have a uh, Texas uh, episode as well, which honestly is probably going to come out before this one, so yeah, well, uh, peek behind the curtain of the order in which we're recording these, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it was really weird and just so disorienting for me, like genuinely disorienting for me to see that mm-hmm. they were doing the all-star race in Texas, and especially with the quality of racing they had at Charlotte. Like, they just yeah. need to burn that track to the ground they need to yeah. concrete asphalt is hard to burn they need to crash yeah. a couple of those jet dryers bring back the uh 2005 daytona or whatever and uh burn yeah. that fucking Juan track Pablo. to the da- ground man yeah yeah, yeah. follow yeah, one Pablo's you know, example 
Let's, let's save a lot of that for this all-star race episode. I think yeah, you're right. There's definitely right, a lot right. of Texas hate that's going to come out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Charlotte delivers, and, and Charlotte more than enough deserves to uh, host the all-star race again, in my opinion. But we'll get there. Um, mm-hmm. So just because you all didn't watch the Truck and Xfinity races, I'm going to give a quick, quick recap on that. Trucks had a... By the way, watch the recaps on these. They were really good. Uh, Trucks had two green-white checkered finishes. Uh, Carson Hosevar, who drives the 42, he's the guy that had the fedora, if you remember, when we were uh, watching the, you know, oh, in the yeah. infield at Daytona. Yeah, yeah, that wow, guy. Wow, what yeah. a guy. Super yeah, tall. Guy. yeah, yeah. He has gotten so close so many times this year, and he came up just short again in very mm. similar fashion to what happened to Larson. He's leading, which is a couple laps to go. Caution happens. He gets, uh, you know, the green-white checkered goes just drives way too hard is you know it's all about momentum everyone else behind him kind of has the advantage on the guy that's leading and he wrecks uh just trying to just trying too hard for that first win um but his teammate um who was a guy that kind of got his his jump start into uh motorsports chastain um from the same team wins the race anyway so it was Mm. still a good day for nice motorsports so um, and then at the Xfinity race, uh, we had the all-driver broadcast, which is some of my favorite coverage. I mean, it's, I, like, no offense to people that are journalists and commentators in other sports and everything, but, like, players commentating their own sport is always the best. It's it's just always the best. Um, and it was fantastic to, to have uh, Harvick and Blaney and, and uh, jo- Joey, such a good announcer in the, in the booth. Um, basically, the things that I noted here was that Austin Dillon wrecked the car that Tyler Reddick won in the week before. Um, I think further cementing that Reddick is a much better driver than Austin Dillon. Um, Junior Motorsports just kind of led the whole way. I mean, it was still good racing. There were still uh, like uh, good restarts and, and some really good driving back in the pack. But Junior Motorsports has just been on a tear in Xfinity right now. And mm-hmm. Allgaier and, and Josh Berry fought for the win with Berry getting his second win of the year. So um, that's, yeah. again, it was, it was a really good, uh, I think it was about like 20 laps to go and they were battling and it was superb racing. Hell yeah. Nice. So. Now, I've got a uh, quick yeah. question, if I may. Uh, mm-hmm. Baby G, have you watched a Coke 600 before? I've definitely seen some of them. Um, my parents' friends used to always host a, a Memorial Day party, and inevitably we were in their bra- garage bar, and you know everything else is boring. you got baseball on, boring. Mm-hmm. This, whatever, other random sports, boring. It's like, let's throw NASCAR on and just watch the cars, yeah. cars drive around. So we would always just put at least part of the race on. I don't know mm-hmm. if I've ever seen... A full start to finish Coke 600 Boy. still haven't because yeah, you know lot. I was in and out of the, very, out of the very race a little bit have. this one <laughs> but it's basically um, only if you, you know it definitely we, we it would always be a staple of the annual Memorial Day party at my parents friend house nice. at some point we're watching it. we're watching the race but never seen a full one okay a uh, new guy have you ever seen a Coke 600 maybe in person uh, as far as I remember, yes. Uh, yeah, we went to one and it got a nice rain delay, and I believe it finished after midnight. And we were sitting underneath cover uh, mm-hmm. in the bleachers, and the reverberations of the sounds was just like uh, honestly, it was one of the most unpleasant NASCAR experiences of my <laughs> life. <laughs> Yeah, it that was, was so cool. it, so uncomfortable. I mean, there were it, there were a lot of big positives, like the rain coming down and that guy standing down below, like mm-hmm. shotgunning beers that people would chuck to him from further up <laughs> in the stands. That rules. But beyond that, uh, you know, it was a long race, and if I'm incorrect, or if I'm if I'm if I'm correct here, uh, Austin Dillon won. He did, yeah. Yeah, and we got him to dab strategy. for us beforehand, right? 
No, that was Daytona. Okay. Dad for us. That I, I don't know that we've ever told that story, but it's one of my favorite. I think we might have. I think we interacted. I feel like we told him to dab for us before the Coke no, 600, so and then Coke he went and dabbed. No, that was we Daytona. Have, oh, okay, you're right, you're 100%. right. He dabbed at Daytona. Because we, we just, made him do it on the truck coming around, yeah. and then he did it, and then we saw him in victory lane. At Daytona, you're totally right. Victory lane, the so. issue is that my brain refuses to accept that we've seen Austin <laughs> Dillon win two really prestigious races. <laughs> I know, right? Two crown jewels. Yeah, no, what we saw at the Coke 600, and, and I don't remember if you saw it too, but like... You were in line for Bojangles, and he went by us on a golf cart with his posse. Oh, like yeah, his yeah. And some friend. Huge And vape his friend cloud. blew out the huge vape cloud. Like, the biggest vape cloud, the douchiest vape cloud you've ever seen in your entire life. And I was just like, yep, that fits. That That's that's that guy, yeah. uh, for sure. So That's our boy. Uh, that's our, that's yeah, our boy. It's, yeah, it's hard not to be a fan <laughs> of him when we've seen him win so many times. Um, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, so that was the Coke 600. And the other races at Charlotte. Um, do y'all want to talk about Indy and Monaco now, or do you want to go right into what next week's uh, uh, NASCAR races are going to be first? You know, I think it would make. Boy, I was about to say it would make sense to do so now, but it's a tough choice. It's a tough choice. I think. I think uh, let's talk about it now. Let's talk about it now. Yeah, let's get into did it. Did you yeah, did yeah. you watch all three, Brian? I I watched all five, dude. <laughs> My and I visited man. my family. I was yeah, I was wow. I was I was traveling this weekend. Uh, I was traveling all of Sunday uh, to get down to Key West, but somehow I managed to watch uh, the entirety of the Monaco Grand Prix and nice. the final hour of the Indy Five Hundred. Like I, yeah. this in-flight internet you you can get some free deals on here i did uh you can get like 30 minutes free so i did 30 minutes of watching it on my phone and then 30 minutes of watching it on my laptop take that american mm. airlines you idiots nicely done uh <laughs> yeah man they honestly so okay uh let's start off with monaco if i may um mm-hmm. brandon did you watch monaco sorry baby g did you watch monaco <laughs> no i didn't see any of it <laughs> it was um as far as monaco's go I would say it's the best Monaco that I've watched, but like, it was a terrible race. Still, I mean, like yeah. that track is ludicrous. The only entertainment that happens in Monaco is seeing people fail, which like yeah. that is entertaining for sure. But there's mm-hmm. only so many times that you can see Ferrari absolutely fuck themselves on tire strategy and like remain anything other than just like incredibly sad for Charles Leclerc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad he finished the race finally, right? Like Jesus Christ, yeah. Overall, I mean, and then I was really mad actually because they protested uh, the Red Bull uh, cars and the way they got out of pit lane, which like I understand yeah. why they did, but like it just felt really salty at the end. What a bunch of babies, um, yeah. <laughs> but but overall, like yeah, the Monaco is only good when it's a wreck fest or people make a lot of mistakes, and that's yeah. the only entertainment value of it. Like I guess you could say sometimes strategy comes into play at Monaco. But, like, all it is is just a ton of blocking and never being able to pass. And unless they widen the track or something, like, why wouldn't you just go there yeah, and do a time trial and do. call it a day, you know? I mean, as well, what's super weird about it is that I believe that when they do the TV broadcast, they don't use the regular broadcasters. Like, the municipality of Monaco provides their own 
camera crew, which is what leads to it being like some of the worst race coverage. You there, oh, yeah, there are three sure. fucking overtakes in the entire race, and somehow the camera crew them. manages to miss every single one of them. <laughs> and also the camera crew, not not only does the production crew manage to miss switching to the right camera, but the camera crew also manages to point at the wrong thing all the time. It's like they told yeah they totally miss. It's Mitch impressive from a yeah. Yeah, it's impressive from a level of failure. Boy, oh boy. Um, I I genuinely think that the only way... You know, I'm I'm torn on... I'm genuinely ambivalent on whether or not Monaco should be gotten rid of. Because I think that the historical legacy, like... There's something about F1 that is just generally stupid and generally leans too much into the historical legacy. Like that, they play that dumb classical song after every single podium ceremony where they're mm-hmm. sh- shaking champagne at each other. And I feel like Monaco is like the race that is that classical song. Like it's dumb, it sure. makes no sense to be there, but it's there, it's tradition. But like the only way that Monaco is ever going to be entertaining is if. F1 starts adopting what NASCAR does with having a different chassis or like different car for different tracks. Like if they got rid yeah. of the front wing and the back wing on the F1 car for Monaco, Monaco would be probably a good race, but they're never going to do that. And for good reason. Course, and so Monaco yeah, car, is never going to be a competitive race. The cars are also just too wide. I mean, the track yeah, isn't wide. They're enough. too long, like, too they wide. Need, yeah. And, and this has been true. I mean, look at what uh, Atlanta just did to, re, to revitalize itself. And we're going to talk a lot about like tracks revitalizing themselves at the All Star uh, episode. But like, you have to do something when the racing action gets bad. And I agree. Yeah. Like, you could change the cars a lot, but F one is all about engineering the same car mm-hmm. to dominate every. So they're track, never right? gonna. Like, that's, and that's for good reason. Point. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I don't want to change that part of it. I think that's a good part. I think they just need to do something to either change the configuration. Monaco's a great location. I mean, this, the just the whole venue and the the atmosphere at all of it all, it's still, like, high on my bucket list of things that I want to do in motorsports, right? Like, and I think it's yeah, true for everyone. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but I'm going to go there, and I know the racing's going to be bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, uh, it's an interesting We'll go there just thing. to, like... Do one spin on the roulette wheel, lose all of our money. Uh, Not only the money that we brought, but all of our money in our bank accounts. Uh, It's like when I went to a Notre Dame game for the... I went to a Notre Dame game for the first time, and I was just like, I have to go here because it's historic. It's Notre Dame's field, and it's like wooden bleachers that you're getting splinters in your ass the whole time. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, this is what I expected, Um, and I just had to do it, you know? Yeah. I feel like at Formula E... Does Formula E race in Monaco? I feel yeah. like I should know this. Yeah, that would well, be cool. I mean, the other, that would be the I only ra- have, open wheel series I I think would be good. I, I think they have three different Formula series run Monaco once the track's set up, like in the week prior. Um, yeah, but I I that was a couple years ago. I don't know. That's kind of dated, so I'm not sure anymore. Yeah. Um, Indy 500, uh, baby G, you did get to watch that. What was your interpretation of how that race went? Yeah, it did. So we caught um, the first about 30 to 40 laps but while we're kind of cooking up brunch and mm-hmm. drinking some oil so, so that was cool to to see the the whole pomp and circumstance of the start of the race and mm-hmm. kind of everyone just kind of sitting around eating some breakfast tacos and you know sipping on some champagne or mimosa or morning cocktail and then we we kind of took the afternoon to to get to get ready for the rest of the people to come to the party and took a little break from the race but i think then most of the people that got there we probably watched the last yeah 30 to 35 laps or so and just kind of people that you know don't watch 
don't watch racing, don't watch indie, don't watch NASCAR, don't go to mm-hmm. local tracks. Like we're just kind of sitting around watching it, and everyone's kind of just had a good time. So mm-hmm. all in all, it was pretty good race, um, decent amount of passing, and yeah, it was it was good. I think yeah. what you just described is essentially why people go to Indy and go to that race is is for the people and for the mimosas and or whatever else. It's for the <laughs> event. I mean, I yeah, the funny, yeah, the funny part was when they cut to the infield. People were like, "What's going on in the infield?" I'm like, "Well, 95 percent of the people in the infield aren't there for the racing. They're there to just party and have a good time." So yeah, they, people were like, they, "I didn't even yeah. know that was an option." They literally it's kind of like yeah. the Kentucky Derby, right? There was yeah, an, exactly. When we they, when we went there, there was an EDM concert going on, right? Yeah. And then still there it's the snake pit yeah 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 it's wild and when we were there it was like the second hottest indy 500 on record jesus christ i think people probably died in that snake pit that would be yeah 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 it's it's, that was terrible (laughs) i was glad like i've gone to two of them and and yeah it's 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 entertaining and generally it's pretty good racing and i thought this year was just just okay i didn't think they really pushed themselves very hard in the early parts of the race but then you got to the end, and Jim Jam uh, wrecks out pretty God close to the end. damn it. I was so a, upset with him. I was so uh, upset with Jim Jam. Oh I both God. was, but I also wasn't, because I was like, Jim Jam understands the entertainment value of setting up a last lap, <laughs> like, last couple laps, like, last-ditch effort to win at Indy, and how exciting that is. Boy, oh um, boy. And we did get something. We, we at least got a move for the lead, even though it was a very, like... There was no way he could ever make it on the outside into turn one there and, and actually try and win that race. Yeah. It was still entertaining, you know? I think Marcus Erickson has a really... So Marcus Erickson won. And yeah, for, mm-hmm. for people that didn't see it, basically what happened was uh, pit stops happened maybe with like 10, 20 left to go. And uh, Marcus Erickson ended up taking the lead because I believe that he just had good pit strategy going on. Yep. And... Yep. Marcus Erickson, my first season of watching F1, Marcus Erickson was driving and like he was just always a sweet dude who drove his car better than he should. And then he lost his F1 ride and went over to IndyCar. I think he might have like hopped around to a few different series and then ended up in IndyCar. Hmm. And so like he's always had a, a special nostalgic place in my heart. And so to see him in the lead oh my god my heart was just singing I was like whoa there's a guy that I know it was like when Fernando Alonso was racing in the Indy 500 except like a little bit less dramatic uh, yeah, yeah. and I was I was so psyched for him and then uh, when Jim Jam crashed oh my god my heart my heart fucking broke uh, I will say one thing man, that was dude, cool is his driving was Jimmy, amazing Jimmy did Sorry, win please. rookie of the race and oh, yeah. um, he also led a lap like he led a lap late yeah right so that was cool yeah i thought that was cool of him like i think that that is a cool decision uh even if it's not not the best pit strategy to just stay out for an mm-hmm. extra lap if you're jimmy johnson so that you can lead a lap at the indy 500 that's uh, yeah. a cool choice overall i was glad he didn't wreck out early like i was i was actually yeah. afraid with how he sent it into turn one and the hot laps for qualifying I literally thought he was going to be that aggressive, and I was like, he's yeah. going to wreck very early. I thought he was actually very patient, and most of the yeah. time he spent his time in the back. I assume most of the time he was trying not to overdrive the car, which is good. Yeah, that's what you need. I he's, he he's definitely I really, invested in like a two or three year stint in the sport. So yeah, I really hope that he drives the five hundred again next year because like I think he will do really well. I mean, he drove I so he well this year. He didn't just do this as a one time thing. Yeah. He's going to be actually racing in Indy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, he's so been he's, racing he's, in Indy. He's racing Indy, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I, so I don't last, watch much indie, so I the I the commentators were talking that was, like, about. I, I you know the commentators were talking about, and this was one of the things that led to him leaving NASCAR about how like he had to have serious discussions with his family about whether or not he would do oval racing in Indy. Yeah, because it's so and, much more dangerous. Yeah, right. I wouldn't be surprised if he stops doing <laughs> oval races that aren't Indy, but I really no, hope I, that he I, comes back to the five hundred. Well, I don't think so. So he did the Grand Prix last year. He didn't do any ovals. And so this year he's got the rookie status because he's he's due to the ovals, so first Indy 500. But he, I think he had like a top five where he finished sixth or something in an oval oh, nice. like a couple weeks ago um, before yeah. he got in an accident and then like hurt his hand. But like before that, he finished like fifth or sixth in a race in an oval. He's definitely better yeah. at ovals. Like he's going to be better at ovals. So yeah, I think if he sense. wants to continue to get better and actually compete, uh, I don't know. If it's not realistic, say for a championship, but maybe for a top ten or something like that, he needs to do ovals. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, so that's so. Uh, that's indie. Marcus Ericsson ended up winning. Uh, that's yeah. the moral of the story. Uh, he's Swedish. He's a dang old sweetie. His restarts, dude. I mean, honestly, his restarts and his fighting to retain that lead, the weaving that he did, and the breaking of the draft was yeah. ingenious. I mean, like, it was really, really, uh, like, ridiculously professional. I was oh, so Oh, yeah, that was one interesting thing. When they're going down the straightaway and people are like, why are they, like, swerving so much? I'm like, well, yeah. they're trying to break the air behind them. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they're going to catch a draft and just get blown so by. So, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, being able to explain just, like, basic racing things to people who have no idea what they're even watching was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. His time was so good. I, I, oh, please. I was just going to say, coming to the white flag, like, I mean, the amount of, like, when you're trying to break the draft and you're basically going into pit lane and then swerving back out is yeah. insanity. <laughs> like, it's so crazy to watch. Because, like, you do that in an NASCAR, you're probably just going to wreck. Like, oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah. they, I mean, they did do that. They do do that in Indy and in NASCARs as well sometimes when you're trying to yeah. break the slipstream. So, yeah. I did a bunch of uh, IndyCar racing at Indy. Speedway and iRacing uh, leading up to this race. And I, I'm really interested in the like, in the, in the, in the precise decision making that goes into where you position yourself for breaking that draft. Cause as I was like, you know, I, I ended up uh, <laughs> unintentionally, I qualified second for an IndyCar race. And then, uh, the guy who qualified first didn't show up. So I ended up being on pole for an IndyCar race. And like the decision making to try to break the draft, I was like deliberately aiming myself like four or five feet lower than the, the than the outside of the wall going into the corners, hoping to bait mm. people into being directly behind me and getting a poor entry into the corner and like me putting myself into the optimal turning position at the last second. And I'm, I'm really curious what the precise decision making is that goes into how they go about breaking that draft because like the the, the nuances that exist are so 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 deep. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think and a lot I of think it that, is exactly what you're talking about. I mean, you can tell the way that the leader uh, is breaking the draft in that they they know at the end of the the straightaway they are going to be all the way up against the wall and then get a nice corner in a corner entry into turn one or turn three, um, and the, the guy behind them generally is kind of following a little bit more of a conservative. They don't go as far down or as far up, and then at the same time when they're coming up, they're much more controlled getting into the next corner because that's the only way they can retain their speed. Even if they can't get a slipstream, it's worth it to retain their speed going into the corner. Yeah, for so sure. I think 
you've got a totally different strategy if you're leading or you're trying to catch a guy, right? So yeah. So uh, by the uh, way, we did we did forget oh, to say ahead. that Checo, um, uh, Sergio Perez, yeah, dude, won the the uh, Monaco. So that's uh this is what I was a uh, third win, I think. Yeah, this is what I was about to get back to. Is that I realized that we didn't really cover what actually happened. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end of that F1 race, which is basically... Or, like, in that F1 race, which is basically just that Ferrari had... Did they have the one and the two? They, like... Mm-hmm. They had one, two at the pole. And Monaco is a race where you can't pass people. So they should have won. But Ferrari went and did the old uh, Ferrari classic of just, like, totally trashing their strategy. Which I have oh, no yeah. idea how they are so consistent on this. Because they have been doing this... For like three years now, where they are just mm-hmm. absolutely atrocious on strategy, and they ended up giving Checo the win, which I mean I dig, I love Checo. Checo the mm-hmm. win, and then Signs in second, and then Verstappen in third, and mm-hmm. then Leclerc in fourth, and Leclerc had the fucking pole. I mean, like it was it was ludicrous. It was just absolutely abysmal strategy. I, what Man, I on the plus was side. Oh please. Sorry, guys. Uh, well, I was going to say, on the plus side, the, the, the nice thing here is that this actually starts to enter Checo into the camp championship contention. And, like, mm-hmm. Checo has consistently shown that, theoretically, he might have the pace on some tracks. There are some tracks where he theoretically has pace against Max, but the mm-hmm. team does team orders because Max is the one driver. But now that he's sort of proven himself and is actually getting into competition... For the championship, you know, Red Bull is still going to keep on going with their golden boy. But if Checo is somehow able to win, if he can squeeze out a win at this next track or maybe the one after it and Max finishes sort of poorly, I can totally see a scenario in which like it actually becomes a fair competition at Red Bull, which would be such a treat. Yeah, I mean, it was literally just one race ago where they did have team orders and gave Max the win over Checo. Yeah. So, like, yeah. which, granted, Max had more pace than him, so, like, I, I, it was okay totally guess, in my yeah. mind. But, but yeah, this this week I thought it was interesting, too, because, like, Red Bull, what they did was they tried to undercut both of the Ferrari pit stops and, and tire strategies, and they used Max to counter Leclerc, which set both of them behind um, Sainz yeah. and, and, um, and Perez. So, like... Even though Red Bull's strategy worked, it wasn't a team orders thing where, like, Max got the win. Like, it actually kind of was that it worked out that Checo got the win. So, like, I, I don't... I, I feel like they paid him back. I think they I think they got him back for the week before, so... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all right, cool. Entertaining, entertaining stuff. So, we're uh, going to some pretty entertaining racetracks this weekend in NASCAR. We've got a full slate of trucks, Xfinity, and Cup. But weirdly... They're not at the same racetrack um, for the first time this year. Weird. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. So, um, and and what's even weirder is we're racing at some pretty new tracks for at least yeah. some of the series. Um, do you uh, want to read off what tracks we got uh, coming up this weekend? Wow, I would uh, I would love to. The uh, Worldwide Technology Gateway in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, it's a one point two five meter oval. Uh, that is what Truck and Cup are going to be racing on. And then Xfinity is going to be racing on the Portland International Road Course, uh, which only IndyCar has been racing on for a while now. Trucks race there in 99 and 2000. Uh, 
and ARC and late models were racing there. When were they racing there? Uh, the, just on and off through the years. Just, just okay. the only stock cars that have raced there are ARC yeah. and late models. Very and, cool. And, and, and yeah, the I, I love bringing a new uh, road course into the schedule. Oh yeah, um, and and I honestly feel like Xfinity, for whatever reason, has some of the most competitive like or the, some of the best competition of all three of the national series right now and that's why they chose xfinity to go to portland over the trucks or or cup um mm. and and yeah the gateway i mean gateways trucks have been racing there for a long time xfinity used to race there it's always put on good shows the fact that cups finally racing there makes total sense i can't believe it hasn't happened sooner uh, maybe you know a lot of times it comes down to track ownership that Dover the, the folks that own Dover own uh, Gateway um, so uh, they basically uh, got rid of it uh, uh, gave them an extra race so right yeah. so uh, but yeah pretty pretty exciting stuff um, we have uh, some start times of uh, truck at, at, again Gateway at 1.30 on Saturday it's a double header though because Xfinity races Portland at the road course at 4.30 on Saturday um, so pretty good day to see two totally different types of races. Um, and then Cup is racing at Gateway on Sunday at 3.30. Nice. Very cool. What sort of uh, sort of stages we got here? Uh, yeah, it's really weird for Cup. Um, they're going to do a 45-lap stage, so kind of like a short sprint stage, then 95, and then 100 to end. So the last two <laughs> stages are, are you know normal length, and the first one's just really short for whatever reason. Got to gotta have that extra five laps on the third stage, though. <laughs> yeah, Why important. Not? Yeah, I, I, like, I kind of like this strategy. I, I do like the idea of having like a short stage. Um, yeah. I would prefer it be stage two yeah. or something, but That's a good I, idea. I like the idea of the stages being drastically different. So Yeah, very good. Um, do we have any uh, previous winners uh, here? Uh, so none in Cup, uh, but Harvick, Bubba, Custer, Bell, Chastain, and Haley have all won in trucks, and then Harvick, Truex, Kyle Busch, and Brad Keselowski have won in Xfinity. So there's a decent number of people that do have uh, experience at this track, you know, which makes sense. So I think I saw hopefully good racing. Yeah, Bob tweeted something like, "Oh, there's like eight or nine drivers in Cup that haven't ever raced here." Um, so a Dang. lot of people have raced here, and hell, about a quarter of them have won. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward um, to it. I I think uh, a different size, you know, that's slightly different. The the 1.25 instead of one and a half or one mile mm-hmm. should be interesting. And then it's an asphalt racetrack, so it's not quite like Dover, but it is like Dover at least in terms of kind of like how I remember the racing being back. I'm saying kind of back when Xfinity was there. Um, you know, eats up tires, and and uh, it, it's it's almost like Dover and Darlington had a baby. Even though you know Darlington, you run up next to the wall, and there's only a small like two and a half cars worth of width. It's a full width speedway, but the corners are drastically different. Like one is really yeah. short, and the other one. Oh really yeah. Fat, so yeah, it's like a paperclip um, clip looking raceway. They've got one yeah, yeah, small really, corner, really one wide one. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, so that should be fun. And then obviously Portland. That's uh, where, uh, for the listener at home, I'll be moving in a couple, well, about a month now. Um, so next year, I hope they're racing all three series at Portland, so I can go Ooh, to all three. What a treat that would be. It would, it would, it would. Um, overall, you know, we've not talked about the new car in a long time, but uh, I have no reason to believe that the 1.25 miles track won't look as good with this new car as the 1.5 miles have been. Uh, so yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to this weekend. So Yeah. 
Hell yeah. Cool. Um, you know, to be honest, this is normally where we would go right into rapid fire, but I don't have any questions at all. Well, I think we should just I'm so thankful because I was really worried that you would have some and I don't have any either. I, totally I thought you were going to be like, well, I got the questions right. Okay. Well, Brandon, we, this is, this is as a guest on our show, the time that we're going to give you to ask us each a question. It can be totally random. Wow. Um, oh, I did just think of a question. What a generous. Again, but Brandon, each, ask yeah. each of us a question. What are you thinking about right now? Yeah, I guess what do you guys... What do you guys think of this tire situation? Like every race I seem to watch, like mm. the tires are going down, and then oh, they got Jesus the Christ. the crew chiefs or whatever they're going, keep it rolling, keep it rolling, so they don't have to like you know haul it back. Like, what's mm. going on with these tires this year? Is is this going to be something they're going to oh, look boy. to fix next year, or is this just kind of the new normal with the next gen car? Yeah, what do you think, you guy? You know, I don't know if it's specific to the next gen car or, you know, I'm not sure if there's a new tire compound this year or not. I feel like tire compounds are something that is not talked about nearly as much as aero or whatever, just because the, 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 the molecular composition of rubber is way less interesting <laughs> to hear about than like, you know aerodynamics or whatever so i'm not too sure if there's anything new here but i mean it's a it's a serious fucking problem you know uh not to talk too much about the all-star race in the podcast mm-hmm. episode after we've talked about the all-star race but one of the biggest <laughs> issues with the all-star race was that the tires kept on going down like mm-hmm. every like 10 fucking laps or something so mm-hmm. you know i think that it's a i think that it's a serious issue i think that it's something that really needs to be looked at and i would really love for NASCAR to consider having multiple different tire providers because it would really give some competition for them to stop fucking up and to actually start providing consistently good tires. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, but at the same time, I say that it is that they are fucking up, but you know, I know that like when Pirelli designs tires for F1, one of the difficult things that they need to do is somehow balance making it so that those tires fall off in a way that is providing interesting and entertaining racing while also making sure that their tires don't pop and everyone thinks that Pirelli tires are shit. <laughs> so, you know, it might be the same thing that's going on here where they're trying to design their tires so that they're good for racing, but not high quality. But mm-hmm. uh, if that is, you know, regardless of what's happened, they're doing a terrible job and the tires keep on blowing up and uh, it's nothing but a failure on their part. So that's, yeah. that's my thoughts. What, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, I'll tell you my thoughts are that I have Pirellis on both of my cars, not Goodyear's. Um, so I totally agree on that we should have different manufacturers. Um, I think it would be interesting to have different manufacturers uh, basically put forward tires for different types of tracks, for super speedways, for road courses, and then let yeah. testing basically prove which tire is going to be best for the competition. And maybe we race like three or four different tire, different tire manufacturers across the season. I think that's... I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Um, you so know what I think would be really great is what? I think that one of the one of the difficult things with so like one of the difficult things with having multiple tire providers is you might have a situation like the uh, frick I forgot what year it was but it's like a in the knots in the early knots of two thousand where F one came and raced at Indianapolis and during practice they realized that the tires all except for one manufacturer were blowing up on the corners. Mm. And so they ended up only having like four cars out of the whole 20 cars in the field actually go to the race, or maybe six cars. It was like Mm. a debacle that led to F1 departing from the US market for a while. 
And I think that one of the biggest issues is that like you see these tires being provided, but you don't have the ability to change your provider over the year. If uh, I don't know, there are issues with this, but theoretically, like if you could switch tire providers throughout the year, maybe that would fix some of those issues. But then you're just going to have incentive for the tire providers to make the fastest tires rather than the most entertaining. So exactly, that's where who I knows? Think it can't I mean, it, it, that's to, a tough it can't one. be left that's up to the one. teams at all. It needs yeah. to be up to NASCAR and NASCAR's, yeah. you know, going to these tracks to test and see which tires. Leave it to the fans. And look, vote. You know, maybe. <laughs> But monster no, truck would, style honestly, during was, practice yeah. everyone votes on what tires people should use <laughs> and it's funny that you bring up the f1 thing at indy because i read about that i i, I didn't really re- realize that but you know in indy in 2008 i think was the last time i saw this much upset like this many fans of nascar upset about goodyear because they had a race at indy where they couldn't even run 20 laps they were throwing the caution flag every 15 laps to keep tires Jesus from blowing Christ. because the tires could not last it was yeah like everyone regards that as one of the worst nascar races in in modern history um maybe up until this all-star race um so so like that's you know there there can be problems it's not that bad but what I will say is I was really, really upset about Goodyear, and then Goodyear came out after the All-Star Race with a memo that said, look, teams, we told you what air pressures to run. These are not recommendations. These are tested numbers that if you are not running those, you are going to run the risk of blowing a tire and ending oh, your race. That's on you. Interesting. And, you know, I, think I, I think we had talked about that where I said, like, maybe that's happening. But at the same time, th- you got to think about how the how the drivers and teams are getting a competitive edge if they're running a left rear at 10 you know uh, whatever it's called 10 psi then you maybe need to bring a tire compound that can work for that you know it's gonna be your left rear's gotta be a little different you know now that you say this i think as well that it would be really cool if the commentary staff had the recommended psi for the tires and the PSI that each of the different wheels were running at in the car. And so that then if a tire blows on the car, they could say, yeah, it blew, but they were running lower PSI than what the manufacturer recommended. So, you know, we expected it to happen. They were playing with fire. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to fly, though, because I think they're going to try to deflect as much talk about the tires as they can on the broadcast. Like, that would be good from a fan perspective, but I think there would be a decent amount of backlash from the actual manufacturer if they they did start blowing them up like that, you know? I feel like like the manufacturer would prefer it if if they had the commentators saying that, like, this car was going against manufacturer requests or like what the manufacturer recommended that it would like give the manufacturer more leeway i don't know i think uh make fun of the teams is my solution always yeah i think it's i think it's interesting because like it was only it had to be in the last like eight years that the same thing happened they were running too low of air pressures and they they were losing tires and the same thing happened where goodyear said Look, we're recommending, we're not recommending, we're telling you what you need to run. And NASCAR ended up mandating certain PSIs for certain tires. And I don't know how they were doing the testing or how they knew, you know, that they weren't violating that. But I'll tell you what happens is when there are, you know, there is a competitive advantage to running the left rear below 12 PSI, which is the recommended amount, is the smaller teams run it lower more because they have to get to that point. The bigger teams, yes, they're doing it too. I mean, Larson's lost a tire. Kyle Busch lost a tire. 
They're doing it for competitive advantage too, but they don't necessarily have to. They'll still outrun the guys that are running at, you know, that are, that are, you know, Brad Keselowski is a good example, owns his own team. Roush Fenway doesn't have the horses to compete right now, but he'll run a 10 PSI, uh, you know, tire and hope for the best because that's the only way he can be competitive, right? So it only puts the, yeah. the, the less competitive teams at a disadvantage, but, in my opinion. But in the scenario in which everyone can run that lower tire pressure, then everyone does, and the lower teams no, lose any yeah. possibility of having an advantage by re- lowing, yeah. running that lower tire pressure. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough scenario. I think, yeah. Overall, I think I mean, though, that, like, I, I theoretically... I think that one of the most interesting things that can come out of having possibilities for different car setups is the possibility for a lower team to do something risky and have that pay off. And tire pressure, you know, unfortunately, that's not a scenario in which, like, tire pressure alone can lead to drastic improvements from a lower team. Well, theoretically, I like it. Running more camber, your tire wears more. That's just an easy one. Even if you recommend tire pressures, you know, lower teams do run greater amounts of camber sometimes just to make up for the fact that their car is not going to handle as well yeah. as the better or as the well, more well-funded teams. And they still blow tires, right? They still wear the shit out of a tire yeah, and yeah. open the wall. So it's just going to – they'll always have some way of, of making it up. But it, it kind of has become a bit more of a safety concern. But the last thing that I'll say yeah. on this, and I think we should, like, move on – is that I think we should talk about this for year. another hour. <laughs> well, this is our first year with the single lug nut, um, so the, the loose wheel thing, they're going to figure it out. It just comes with, you know, getting familiar and, and knowing that the tire's on there and secure as you're, as you're putting it on as quickly as you can. Yeah. And then with the tire pressures and everything, you know, people are going to get sick of blowing tires. They're going to run less aggressive yeah. setups because they want to make it yeah. to the end, you know? Eventually, you just figure it out, and it gets back to an equilibrium. So we're just... Uh, yeah. We're dealing with a new car. No, the no interliners thing, which we haven't really talked about. Brandon, Brandon brought it up about like you blow a tire, you have to get towed back to pit lane. That's shitty. I think they need to do something about that. Yeah, I think that's, that's lame as hell. That's seen. lame as hell. Yeah, that's the one Keep thing. Keep cars seen. in the race. Let them go a lap or two down. Yeah, they got to figure out a way to do something about that. So yeah, um, yeah. Baby G, how do you feel about the single lug nut? I mean, it's interesting, right? I mean, I think you're seeing more tires just kind of rolling around on pit lane, which is kind of hilarious just from a pure <laughs> comical, you know, spectator perspective. This is the but, kind of uh, perspective I like. Yeah, I think it's cool, though, too, because, like, I don't remember what race it was, but they said, like, the one team had, like, the fastest, I believe it was, like, four, f- fastest four-tire change in the history of NASCAR or something, oh, and, and they had some... Yeah. Yeah, they had some new strategy where they were doing some, like, train or something instead of the standard way to do a four-tire stop or something. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's cool that there's some stuff like that happening, too, with it. Yeah, JGR's got their own strategy for doing these pit stops, and they're kicking everyone else's ass. And then Mm -hmm. at the All-Star race, they had the pit competition, and Kyle got to start on the pole because of that awesome pit stop strategy. So. Yeah, there's there's definitely some cool nuances to to changing things up a little bit and letting teams figure out how to get the competitive advantages. So, um, yeah. Yeah. wow, look oh, at that! By, we, by the way, we took a no questions rapid fire and turns it into a 10, 10 minute segment. Look at that! Yeah, us. it was good. Yeah, this is podcast. Really good. Yeah, for sure. I you know <laughs> this did bring up one thing we, we we didn't even really talk about, but I did want to mention, which is, did you all see Chris Busher's flip at the six hundred? Oh boy. That was yeah. wild. I haven't I'm seen so something glad he's like okay. that. I know. Well, and you know, 
they they put that that turf, I think it's turf, I guess, that they put on the infield there, and it's so much better because before they used to spin through there, and the cars used to be so low, they would destroy their front ends just spinning through the grass, right? Now you slide right over it. There's that that nice flat plate at the bottom of those those uh, cup cars now, so it glides right over. They're not as low as they used to be. But his, I think it must have been the tire arm or something like that. I, I wasn't listening to the commentary at that point, so I don't know if they said it. But something broke on the right front of that car. And when he spun back the other way, it just dug into the ground and took off. Mm. But I Yeah, it just grabbed the grass like hard. Yeah. And it was like, holy cow. I thought he hit like a like a uh, grate or something, like one of the, the drainage. Drainage or something, yeah. Yeah, cause, but I thought what was so interesting is it tore the the front assembly of that tire or the wheel off of the car and then as he flipped the tire didn't go anywhere the lug nut was on and and then the tire assembly was still tied with that that they use that like really crazy like nasa um uh not rope but like bands to keep those tires from going you know flying off the car and killing oh, people yeah that slow-mo and video it, of the tether holding the tire to the car is it's so, impressive. so cool yeah, yeah, really, really cool. And, and you know, for going back a week where safety was not of NASCAR's concern uh, to this week where one of their safety features that has been there forever but, like, hardly ever gets to be seen doing so well uh, to be at the forefront was actually really, really cool to see. So Yeah, very cool. Cool. Well, that was a good – that was a great question, Brandon. Um, and if you totally. always – if you ever have more questions – you should send them to us at Podcast Big One on Twitter or at podcastbigone at gmail.com, which I think you're like the only person that's ever sent us a question. Yeah, uh, so I may have sent one or two. Yeah. yeah if anyone keep it up, keep it up. out there wants to become the second person to ever send us a question, <laughs> please do. <laughs> and then join us on the podcast. That's what we do. Yeah, join us on the podcast. That's the way it works. Um, a new guy. This is uh, bringing us to one of my favorite segments, which is new guy wow. reads the standings. I'm so excited. I I read through the notes and I, I opened up the page in, uh, in anticipation, and I'm ready to go. Nice. First place. This is a uh, my favorite top four that I've been that I've been able to say in a while. So we've got in first place Chase Elliott with 489 points, coming mm-hmm. in second place is the watermelon farmer himself, Ross fucking Chastain, with 455 points. Next up, Kyle Busch, 452. My boy Ryan Blaney with 436. Fifth place, Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, William Byron, Alex Bowman in eighth with 415 points. Your boy Kyle Larson coming in at ninth with 412. Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick in 12th, followed by Chase Briscoe, Eric Almarola, then uh, Austin Dillon in 15th place with 328 points, and then rounding out the top 16 is Eric Jones with 321 points, aka 3-2-1, and you know what, I'll even extend it a little bit just to say that uh, Denny Hamlin, the winner of the Coke 600, is in 17th place, and then my sweet, sweet... Uh, baby Ombre, Daniel Suarez is in 18th place with 301 points. Well read, well read, well done. Thank you. Um, I found it interesting also 19th and 20th are Sindrick and Kurt Busch, who also have wins this year. So even Jeez, if we're dude. talking about playoff standings, yeah, um, it's, it's really what an interesting. incredible, uh, 
Yeah, what like uh, genuinely, this is such a good season. Like every single one of these people in the top twenty are legitimately competitive. You know, I don't expect every person in this top twenty to be able to compete for the championship, but I expect every single one of these people to be able to compete for a win almost every mm-hmm. week. Yeah, well, and, and speaking of wins, I mean, we've not we we'll talk about this during one of our uh, season recap podcasts, but like a lot of different winners this year. There's only five spots up for grabs for non-winners right now, and that number will definitely dwindle or drain or. or dwindle, I think you're right with Dwayne. Dwayne. It'll dwindle. It's definitely going to dwindle, yeah. guys. Um, <laughs> it's definitely going to dwindle over the the remaining twelve weeks of the season or twelve races of the season. So yeah, for um, sure, really interesting. Cool. Well, uh, that was a good app, y'all. Great job. You killed it, Brian. Baby G. Thanks, man. Good job, Baby G. Proud of you. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, one more plug here before we wrap this one up. I went to Slinger Super Speedway uh, two Sundays ago, caught some uh, local short track, world's uh, world's fastest, I believe, quarter mile. Um, Went out there. I had nothing to do on a Sunday afternoon, and... It's only about 45 to 50 minutes drive away from me, so I went out there, brought a six-pack of beer in the parking lot, drank a couple beers with some random people that parked around me, and watched three hours of racing for 15 Man. bucks. So, beautiful. little plug for Slinger Super Speedway. Man, That's a I need to get up weekend. there soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also, if you yeah live in the Milwaukee area and want to go up to Slinger Speedway, uh, hit up ABG. You don't know him, but yeah. you know, at hit me up. Hit one, up. and then we'll, we'll, we'll connect you. We'll connect you, yeah. All right, well, how about you take us out, new guy? Uh, nothing. Nothing would truly make me happier. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Baby G, for joining in. Thank you, Brian, for providing us the impetus to record these episodes. Uh, <laughs> we're the podcast big one. Thank you to everyone that is listening to us. And I hope you listen to our previous episode. I hope you'll listen to the next one. And I'll hope that you continue listening to our sporadic release schedule. Uh, <laughs> if you would like to tweet us, we are at podcast big one. Uh, and if you'd like to email us, we are podcastbigone at gmail.com. Please email us your questions. Please email me uh, your compliments about how lovely my voice is and what a great selection in shirts I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for all of us at the Big One Podcast, is your boy new guy saying, later, nerds. Bye. Bye. I mean, I don't listen to it because this podcast is trash. Well, it's Brandon really is probably bad. the biggest listener. He's a, yeah, podcast. he might be. I've downloaded the Daytona 500 30,000 times.